Hey everybody, this is Greg, and before we get started with the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to two of our sponsors. The first is a company that is very close to my heart, Dominar Studios. They're the makers of the Cloud Agent Suite. Their flagship product, Cloud CMA, is used by over 500,000 real estate professionals all across the country, and their customers have published over 15 million Cloud CMA reports. Also check out CloudMLX, their front-end-of-choice solution, which won Inman News' Most Innovative Technology Award and has crossed over 200,000 MLS members under site license. You can find out more at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm excited to announce the Notorious VIP, a premium subscription service from Rob Hahn, also known as the Notorious ROB. Membership gives you subscriber-only content, both written and recorded, that is unavailable anywhere else. The difference between the Notorious ROB blog and the Notorious VIP is that VIP focuses on research and analysis, while the ROB blog focuses on commentary and op-ed. Notorious VIP is for those in organized real estate that want to go a few layers deeper. Please visit Notorious-ROB.com to find out more. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if any of our listeners are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Hey, thanks for listening. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a very, very special edition of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. I am your co-host, Rob Hahn, uh, Notorious. And on the other line, we have the gorgeous and beautiful Greg Robertson. Greg, are you there? Hola, Rob. Hola, Greg. <laughs> I have to say, because it's a special uh, episode, we're, we're doing this over video, so I can see your new haircut. You look lovely. You look uh, you know, distinguished, young. Yes, I, was, I, that I couldn't find my wife's foundation, so I couldn't steal anything <laughs> from her for this, but um, I'm trying. But you are wearing her lipstick, though, so I, I do quite like that shade <laughs> on you. <laughs> Listen, this is a very special episode for a lot of reasons. First is that the topic where uh, Greg and I wanted to talk about race and real estate. And we realized a couple of things very quickly. One is our typical one hour thing, one hour and done, we're out of time thing, it's not going to work. And the second is Greg and I are, you know, we're just a couple of idiots talking on the internet. We actually wanted smart people to have this conversation with us. True story. So we invited three of the smartest folks that we could think of to discuss this topic. And uh, rather than introducing them all, maybe we should have our guests introduce themselves because they'll do a much better job. Emily, are you there? I am. Hi, Emily Shinevere. I'm the CEO of the Austin Board of Realtors and the actress MLS. A background in lobbying in the real estate world before I became CEO and running MLSs and happy to join the conversation. Not sure I'm the smartest one to have this combo, but I'm happy to have it with you guys. <laughs> no, thank you for joining us. And also Kenya. Hi, everyone. And exactly what Emily said. My name is Kenya Burrell Van Warmer, and I am with T360 and working on diversity solutions. My background is in residential real estate and um, little in the association world for the past 20 years and looking forward to being a part of the conversation. Right on. And we have a third guest, Michelle Clement, uh, who is the CEO of the Chicago Association of Realtors, but she's having some technical difficulty right now. We're trying to get past it. Hopefully she'll be able to join us and we'll force her to introduce herself as well. But in the meantime, like I said, I think we just want to have a, we thought of this like a Joe Rogan style, right? Like real conversations in depth about a difficult topic. And obviously race is a difficult topic. And I think the way I sort of have it structured in my mind, guys, is 
just like a very brief past, present. And then really the bulk of what we want to talk about is the future. Like, what do we do about it, right? So just in terms of the past, what's kind of amazing to me is how little so many of us in industry understand the past, right, of race and racism and outright discrimination and real estate. I mean, it really was a big, big thing, right? I mean, I see uh, Emily Shade nodding her head. Like, tell us a little bit about sort of the past and, and race. Sure. Yeah. uh, From my perspective, the most blatant issue of concern with regards to our industry and the past, especially as it pertains to systemic racism, is the redlining. Right. So if your land use patterns were built around racist behavior and racist thought processes and racist strategies, then clearly today we will not have yet fully recovered from that because land use does follow pattern and the patterns haven't changed that much. I mean, I can take Austin specifically as a great example. I-35 is the major corridor that runs up the middle of the city, east and west. There's a stark difference between east and west and there always has been since the 1928 land use patterns that were originated to make Austin look that way. Mm -hmm. So while we've made strides to try to make things better, there's just a, a practical reality to the maps we're built on were racist. Right. And so the results of those maps are racist land use patterns today. The other aspect that I think is important to understand is, is the importance of generational wealth building as it pertains to home ownership. Totally. Part of the reason that we do what we do is that we believe that people who invest in homes and in property do better long-term. They do better by lots and lots of metrics. And so mm-hmm. if there was a grouping of people as there was that were specifically precluded from owning homes um, by way of not having the same level of access as others, by not having the same level of access to the homes that they wanted at certain price points in certain areas, whatever it may be, you've stunted their ability for that generational wealth building in a way that's meaningful and still exists today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's And, you know, obviously we've all... Because of uh, the whole Long Island divided thing that went down, right? Unfortunately, in our industry, and then you know all of the conversation around race and racial issues after like the George Floyd uh, incident and everything that's followed, you know, we've all been like told read things like Color of Law, right? <laughs> you know, which really detailed a lot of this these abuses and how the government really was, I mean, responsible, right? I don't even want totally. to say complicit; they were responsible. But understand that those were cultural evolutions, right? The, the, the government works at the act of the people. And so there is an issue of, there's a culture evolution there. Absolutely. In, you know, to that point, when you bring up the government, think about FHA. Think about after World War II, those veterans that went to fight for our country, right. came back home wanting to take advantage of the benefits that they earned. Right. Some were able to, some were not. I think about my own grandfather who served and the opportunities that he was not able to take advantage of after he served his country. And I hate to bring up Long Island again, but Levittown's another great example mm-hmm. of a development that the government helped <laughs> build to exclude certain individuals, individuals mm-hmm. of color, deed restrictions that were in place. Many of us um, have seen deed restrictions that excluded not only blacks, but Jews, anyone mm-hmm. of color. And the government supported this for quite some time. So it's interesting to see how the government played a large role in 
helping to prevent the wealth, right? right. That wealth gap is large because of our beginnings in this country. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's pretty clear, like from at least the four of us and just general public, we understand that there was significant racism in our country's past. We all get that, right? You know, we think we've overcome a lot of it, still have more progress to make, but we know that that existed. The piece that I'm a little bit puzzled by is how the industry, because we're all in the real estate industry. This is an industry podcast. You know, I remember uh, writing a post talking about this and then people were not, not even, I didn't write a post. I put up a comment on Facebook. You know, remember when uh, Houston Association got rid of the term master bedroom? And I was just kind of joking about it and said, well, if we're going to really go after racist words, we probably should get rid of the word realtor. And a lot of folks were offended and didn't realize what the hell I was talking about. And I'm going, like, black people weren't allowed to be realtors until like 1961, right? And a lot of people don't know this, Kenya. I mean, you look like you want to respond it's there. true. I mean, this is the reason that the National Association of Real Estate Brokers was founded in 1947. That's it was right. to allow those practitioners an opportunity to have an organization, to have support, and really work against a system that was working against them as they were trying to make a living and bring home ownership into the black community. So when people look at the multicultural associations, at times they say, why are they separate? Why do they have to have separate groups? All that does is continue to divide us. You've got to know your history to understand why those groups are there. And Mm -hmm. they're still as important today as they were back in 1947. Right. So that's the past. We all agree on the past. The past was bad, bad place. The question is this, present day, right? Yeah, well, hold on. I mean, okay. can you, I think that there still needs to be something, you know, we can say, yeah, that was the past. That was the past, right? But, you know, certainly the country, certainly, I don't think any, you know, and I think NAR is changing or some, you know, there's, but there's got to be some sort of declaration Right. You know, so we can kind of wipe the slate clean a little bit. I'm not sure if everybody's really done that yet. I mean, this whole thing is just, you know, you you confess and you repent. Right. You, you, you get that out. And then that gives you a little bit more of a blank slate to go forward. I don't know if everybody in this industry, if every organization in this industry has really done that enough, because in, unless I think a, people hear that, I don't know if they still think it's safe to talk. So I don't know if it's good just to start, like, just to say, okay, that's the past, now it's the future. I mean, let's put a bow on it, man. What, right? what do you let's, mean by that, Greg? Like, put well, a bow it, on it. What do you mean by like, confess? Let's, let's, let's make sure that people acknowledge, people now, today, acknowledge that and put it out there formally and denounce what happened, right? And I know the NAR has been changing a lot there, or, and, and there might be some other organizations, but... I think you have to kind of kind of come from that place before you can kind of move forward, no? So I would say it like this, reconciliation comes after recognition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And this is so why it, you're here and I this is why you're here. Yeah. Well, it's, I lots of many smart people have taught me, so I'm learning as I go. And I'll say this, while I don't think that there's been a blatant and very direct statement from the industry in whatever way you might qualify that I do think that we have been reminding ourselves of where we came from. I think having Richard Rothstein, who wrote Color of Law, speak at major organized real estate events times two in the last six weeks, that's big. That's evolution and that's that's healthy recognition of the past. So I, I, I would agree there haven't been these totally blatant 
statements around recognition, but I do think that we're getting uncomfortable recognizing where we've come from and that that's a good start. I think that's a good point. I think a starting place is having the uncomfortable conversation. And I think we've been forced to, as an industry, to recognize that there's been a reckoning since this summer. And I think that one, acknowledging that it existed and that there's still changes to make is a step in the right direction. Right. So, I mean, I guess we could get into a little bit of the future now. So, Greg, I mean, I think I'm of the opinion that the industry has never shied away, you know, from its racist past. Like, you know, when I was writing that post about NAR's kind of racist history, I found most of that stuff on NAR's website. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't trying to hide it. NAR's like, no, we, we acknowledge, like, we were, we were this way. We did exclude, you know, Black people from being members. You know, we were complicit in some of these government, you know, uh, redlining. We were complicit in that and we're rejecting it. We condemn it. I, so I would say that actually the industry has done a pretty good job of owning that past and living up to it to some extent. But if you're saying we need to do more, you know, that's again going to the future. Like, for example, are you suggesting that maybe in order to have realtor membership, you know, you go through a class on like the history? Like, what do we mean by put a bow on it and really acknowledge it? Well, I, you know, again, I haven't gone to the site and see what they've had or what they have on there or anything, but um, sure, why not? Sure. Right? Sure, why not? I mean, I think education is a good thing, right? I mean, I don't see anything wrong with like making people more aware of what, I mean, I, just take a look what happened. Again, we're going to go back to Long Island, right? But this shit still happens, right? And Unfortunately. And, and, unfortunately, right? So it's, it tells me that I think you need to do a little bit more. I can say too, I think I've seen a shift with NAR, especially and the subsequent organizations that participate with them in diversity as an afterthought or a nice to have, and now diversity, equity, and inclusion curriculum as a, this is a need. Everybody's got to get on the same page. Like just taking that leadership summit with Richard Rothstein, with Eddie Glaub, like people like that would never, were never at our conferences prior, or they might have been, but they were on like a sub section of the agenda, not the prime time stage. So I think that we're seeing a shift from diversity is a thing you could be doing to DEI is critical to your future. And here's why. No, absolutely. I mean, look at Bob. I mean, Bob Goldberg is a perfect example, right? I mean, they they've been changing, right? So I think it's a it's a it's a good thing. I think I, I guess where I was going, Rob, was you were like, maybe this is more of a uh, Roberts Rules thing, but yeah, it's like <laughs> that's a wrong way of putting it. But like, I'll second it. Yeah, <laughs> is that you were like, right? Okay, let's you know, let's just say the past was the past, and you know, let's let's move on from that. I don't know. I think there's still a little bit more gravitas that has to be given to that. And I don't know how that acknowledgement comes out. I don't know how that recognition does, but um, it feels like it needs, I feel like it should be, there should be more there. Like there's like a day, right? That you remember the NAR or that these organizations, I'm not picking on NAR, but these organizations said, this was wrong. We denounce it. And today, you know, going forward, just like, you know, May 25th in my, my mind with George Floyd, right? I mean, I, I remember those days now. Like, there's different days in my head that you kind of remember. There's got to be those kind of days, I think, on, on this type of stuff, I guess, right? All right. I mean, I didn't mean to imply that, like, oh. The no, I, I know you didn't. I, I mean, again, yeah. like I said, this is more like a procedural thing I was thinking in my head, so. Point of privilege, Mr. <laughs> Chairman. I did not mean to imply that uh, the past is the past and uh, we should no, just we, bury we, it. We've no. only got four hours of this podcast, so you got to keep so, it moving. 
<laughs> so here's the I thing, though. I will say this is why we need Michelle so badly, because uh, what makes her really, really unique is her first year as CEO at the Chicago Association of Realtors. As a product of the South Side of Chicago, she led her organization to issue a public apology oh, for right the redlining on. and the land nice. use, that it, the right land use patterns that had occurred after that. Right, now, right kudos to Michelle, but I think that that's the kind of thing that you're talking about, Greg. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But that does that does bring us to exactly what you guys we started talking about, which is all right, because I want to move this program along a little bit. <laughs> Where are we today? In other words, like we can all agree that in the past NAR was racist, in the past we had redlining. Where are we today with race and real estate? I'll start with you, Kenya. Where do, where do you think we are today with race and real estate? I think we are in a better place today. And to Emily's point earlier, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is more of a priority today than it was just six months ago. It was always a part of the agenda, but it has its place at the top of the agenda today. So I think that there's there's more of a movement to understand the importance of, of diversity and cultural awareness. So if you ask where we are today, I think we're in a better place. Do we still have more work to do? Absolutely. And that's on both sides, you know, as, as members of the association and as practitioners, we still have a lot of work to do. Again, not to go back to Long Island, but that's a great example of an area that was caught doing it, right? That's just one area. So we know other areas are experiencing the same type of racism as it results to home buyers in different areas and steering that still occurs. But I think Greg brought up a good point earlier too. Education's key. And education is what it's going to take for us to, to move that needle. Now, we can all agree that if you're forced to do something, you don't want to do it, right? Some people in our industry are saying they've had enough of this diversity stuff. They don't yeah. want to hear any more about it. They've had enough. Can we move on to something else? It's probably going to have to be a requirement, right? In terms of your licensing, your CE or orientation with your local association, something has to be done to make sure that it is looked at and it is received by our members. So I think education is key, but how do we get that education to our members? Well, since you brought up Long Island, I'm going to touch on that again, but I guess things are better. Like, what are you pointing to saying things are better today? In other words, like look at the CEOs of every major real estate company, look at the boards of directors, look at the, I mean, I'm really sad. I wish Michelle wasn't having this technical difficulty because I think she's one of two African-American association leaders that I know of, right? I think she's, there's only two and there may be others. I just, I don't know them. Right. So Greg and I were talking about this. We can't think of a single black African-American, you know, CEO of an MLS. I mean, there might be one, we just can't think of one, right? And we've been around that industry for a real long time. So when you guys are saying things are better, like what are, you, what are you pointing to? When I point to better, I mean, we're talking about NAR as an association that was not allowing people of color to be a part of the association. So when we talk about better, that's broad, right? Um, I think we've made changes and we've made strides within the association as a whole. So if we talk about better, I think that is better. I think there is more teeth to laws in place to prevent the redlining, the blockbuster, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those things from happening. So from that standpoint, yes, things are better. But do we have a long way to go? Absolutely. Right. Um, things are better in that respect. Yeah, right? I mean, you're talking about it now. We're, you know, what was, you know, we were talking about syndication for Christ's sake before. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, every guy. 
goddamn conference I would go to was like syndication, syndication. <laughs> now, really, every conference I'm going to, right? We we've got Color of Law. We've got all these different things that are being put out there by NAR, by CMLS, by you know the brokerage community, by the franchise or community. I mean, um, right. so yeah, I I think I think in that in that respect, yes, things are, and that that is a step, right? Right. So, you know, getting off talking about syndication into, into these kind of more meaty issues, absolutely. You know, I think that's a, a good first step here or a step, not a first step. Sure. I agree with that. Emily? And then proof is in the pudding, yeah? Yeah. So we, we're, we're getting better at talking about it. We're getting better at acknowledging that that's something that matters. We're giving it like main stage recognition now. I think our ability to sustain interest and sustain a focus on the issue is is to be determined. I mean, you know, yeah. I thought it was amazing when they when NAR had the big fair housing recognition just two years ago at the anniversary of the Fair Housing yeah. Act. And I it was impactful. I had seen people on that stage that we don't see. Seeing the national NAREB organization hand in hand with NAR leadership was powerful. Even the clear cooperation policy. I mean, there's some some flaws there, but that has some roots, I think, in that. I think the proof will be in the pudding in terms of tactically, how do we keep moving forward and change as a result of our new recognition? And that's true in every industry. That's not specific to real estate. That's the whole, our whole country is having that awakening and Mm -hmm. the now what? Sure. So since we are still in the present and since Kenya brought up Long Island, I just need to raise this. The 26 agents that were caught steering, 25 of them are still working and they're still realtors. Can we talk about that? I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I'll, let me give you context here, right? Is that um, in order for you to like change somebody, you have to have a relationship with them, right? If you don't have a relationship with them, you're not going to be able to change them. Now, at a base level, they're gonna need to be the ones that change, right? And you can decide, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm just, that's, they're not worth it. But, you know, I, I think that's a pretty, you know, that going excommunicado there is a, a pretty bold step without like, let's help them understand what was about this and try to, and try to enact that change. And through that process, maybe they're gonna help others. But just to be excommunicado, you're out, you know, I don't think anybody is a better teacher than somebody who self-realizes something, right? If you can get that person to self-realize something and they can teach others, I mean, that's, I think that's a gold standard there, right? So, yeah, I mean, sure I, I don't know if that's done, but I mean, I don't know if that's what's actually <laughs> happened, but um, I think that's what you want to go for, right? Yeah, so I, I guess the first question I would have is, are we sure that they've self-realized or were they yeah. forced into realization given yeah. their faces and names and all of their behaviors being splashed all over the news, which is a horrific experience, by the way, probably as horrific as feeling <laughs> unwanted or steered or any of those other things, right? I think the other thing that I think about is that it's probably not okay that they're still realtors, but the reality is we're not well-equipped in our current structure to manage the dismissal of membership. You know, there are terms that say when you can and cannot be, and there are are methods for for associations, but they're archaic. And so in working through archaic systems, I think we fear liability for making a wrong move on some of those things too. So I, I, I do think that part of our new awareness needs to be also a kind of come to Jesus around what does it look like when somebody's not a good fit for our brand? 
and it's not a good fit for our brand if you're steering people. Yeah. And right. it's not a good fit for our industry. Let's be real. Right. You know, yeah. Correct. By thing. our brand, I mean all of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole. Yeah. And I think there yeah. should be consequences. If you violate the law, fair housing laws, there should be consequences. That's just, there's, yeah. there's nothing to negotiate at that point, right? But as, you know, to your point, it's archaic, right? Is it the broker that needs to make that decision or is it a higher authority that needs Association, to Association? I mean, MLS, but I, I mean, who is it? Yeah. It's like, yeah. here's the, like, or I, the licensing entity. Where's the licensing right. entity on that? But These here's the thing. Roles. Yeah. But Emily, like one of the, one of the things I want us to think about, especially as we go into the future, right? We should be discussing things that we can control. Meaning you're right. The licensing entity is going to do their thing. Fact of the matter is the, the New York Senate is going to have hearings. And they've had to subpoena most of the brokerage owners and managers. And I think Ryan Gorman uh, was the only executive yeah. to appear before them voluntarily. That's a bad look. Right? That is a bad, bad look. The fact that 25 of the 26 people who are caught treating black people differently than white people are still realtors is a bad look for realtors. So, I, so I'm, I'm kind of... It's weird because I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to be a hard ass, not Greg, but I guess that's some working. Greg's like, you know, <laughs> they need to self-realize like, look, I'm sorry you're a member of the KKK. You can't be a realtor at the same time. I, that's not about you and self-realization. That's about us saying we just don't. Yeah, we are going to excommunicate you because there are some things that are not on brand, if you will. Right. Having yeah, said and that, th there is no there is no structure. Emily saying really. But get those guys to even, if they can change either, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. and we can go into future reforms, but I think the point I would make is, listen, if you're a realtor association and you're not going to risk liability over this one, meaning literally somebody was caught on video treating black people and white people differently, you're not going to expel them and face potential liability on that one. What in the world are you willing to face potential liability on? Right. Let me be so, clear too. I don't know that that mitigating risk is the reason that 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 is or is not proceeding. I'm not on the ground there, but I do know that the systems that I have to work in as a chartered association under the National Association of Realtors are archaic. The same process that manages the dismissal of membership is the process that manages professionalism overall. I think that we do owe our industry improvements to that process that mirror where our commitments are today. Absolutely. I guess from my standpoint, like I said, all I wanted to do is just point out that, yeah, we've made huge progress, but there are still obviously problems we have to address. There are still things we have to do, right? And a lot of them are things that I feel, and the things I really wanted us to focus on, what are the things that we can control? So with that in mind, let's move into the, the meat of this, which is, okay, in my mind, like we've had this horrific past we have a present where things are way better and awareness is definitely higher than it's ever been, which is why we're recording this in the first place, right? But there are still some problems. I guess I'll start with you, Kenya. Like in your mind, what are the top three problems of today that need addressing? Top three problems of today. You know, this goes back to education, right? If we talk about home ownership in the black and brown communities, there's a disparity, right? I believe the national homeownership rate for Black Americans is 42% right now, between 42 and 47%. And I think this goes back to resources, education, and opportunity. 
So I think those are some critical areas that need to be addressed. And that's something that NAREB, the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, is working on now, help in that community, as well as NARA. Um, so they both have similar missions to increase minority home ownership. And the starting point is education mm-hmm. and then opportunity and then resources. So I think that's that's a focus. Okay. Emily, what do you think? Top three problems. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, the most important thing that everybody in the country can be doing in, in this industry and outside of it is level setting your language. I think we all have a lot of work to do in understanding what we're really talking about and being comfortable talking about it so that we can get to the the tactical and the substantive stuff on the plate. But until we get comfortable with the way that we address the issue, and I guess that gets back to acknowledgement a little bit too, I, I don't see us moving forward. So some of the work that ABOR is doing is just really like level setting the language, teaching the terms. What does it mean to be an ally? What does white privilege mean? What is it? What is an anti-racist? Just, you know, I have an obligation to teach my membership what language they can use to proceed through hard conversation and grow. And then from there, I think the the true education on on implicit bias, on you know understanding how we act when we're not always aware, and and what the implications of that are are really important in our business, as we've seen in the Newsday reporting. Some of that's conscious, some of that's probably not, and we need to figure out how to make it stop on both accounts. Yeah, that's for two, sure. not three. <laughs> Greg, you're three. Well, I think one of the, I mean, to me, this is, and this is not just because of Newsday and everything else, why this stuff is being put out for us. I mean, why we're talking about this stuff is what's going on in the country today. The protests, all this stuff, you know, um, police, you know, everything. That's why we're having these conversations as well. It's not just because some guys got caught in uh, in Long Island. These things have been put, these are on our television screens now. So, it's the top three things you got to start. Let's just talk about us as a country. All the things we're trying to do in our industry, you're talking about, Emily, that needs to be widened to the country as well so that we can level set everybody to the, to think about that, right? And so these, these culture things are going on. And number two is just this like, man, the polarization. And again, it goes back to this cultural thing of the country is just, and it comes from the top, I hate to say, but it's just, it's making all of us, us and them. Right. And and that's not helping things at all. And and I I don't have any answers to kind of help that out right now. I mean, obviously, if it's coming from the top, you might think about a change in leadership, but um wow, there's, we went there. there. Woo, Greg. I'm, oh, I'm not going anywhere with you on that. So and, here's the thing. Let, let me on. try and steer. Okay. Yeah, go, go, ahead. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. My thing is again, I want if we would get into sort of the big things we as a country can do, this is a different conversation, right? And we probably want different people on this. I'm really trying to focus on what can we as an industry do. So I agree with I agree with everything that everyone is saying, right? But things like Changing the language is not something that the real estate industry can. Not, now, it's different than what Emily's saying. Emily's just trying to inform her members. That is that is something the industry can do, right? But things like changing the divide. like So I'm just trying to say, what can we do to positively affect things going forward for us? right? I'm not so concerned about what can the Department of Defense do for improving things in the military. Like that, That's their problem. And there are going to be people, and they should record a bunch of podcasts on their end. From housing, because fact of the matter is, a lot of this racial disparity, the systemic race and inequality has its roots in housing for all the reasons that Emily mentioned, which is we've 
we've intentionally disadvantaged black people, black and brown people by government policy. And it's resulted in generational wealth gaps. It's resulted in segregated communities. It's resulted in unequal education. It's resulted in a lot of this stuff. And the roots are in housing. So what can we as an industry do then to try and address that for, for just in housing? I think what Kenya suggested is a way forward, but I want to delve into some of those, which is education opportunity resources. Okay. There are some real challenges to that, right? But, you know, so it's just at a high level, even right. things like diversity, you know, it's a lot of these things, even something as simple and easy as diversity, you know, equality, you know, and inclusion. Fact of the matter is there aren't that many human beings, right, that could run large companies. There just aren't of any race, of anybody. So is the fact that we have had some of the racial disparity that comes from government policies of this past which results in some of the inequality, which results in when it comes time to pick a CEO for your Fortune 500 company, or since we're in the real estate industry, when it comes time to pick a CEO for your very large real estate company, there just aren't that many human beings who could do that job. And maybe not all of them are going to be black. Maybe they're not going to be Asian. Maybe they're not, you know what I mean? Like those are things that we then can think about how do we address that as an industry and the specific ways, things that we might do, right? Things like changing language, getting rid of a master bedroom, which I thought was ridiculous, but whatever. If that makes a difference, go ahead. Let's go ahead and do that, right? Thing is, as practitioners, as people in the industry, as people who work with housing day in, day out, and this is our industry, we all know some of the fundamental problems with housing that results in racial inequality. And the question is, do we want to tackle that? And maybe the answer is, like Emily said, it's not our lane. It's not our job. Right. Our job is just to best serve our customers. And if that's the answer, that's the answer. And I'm, I'm cool with it. Right. Like it doesn't affect me. I'm not, uh, my job isn't to run out and solve the problem of race and housing. You know, my job is to help my clients make more money. But as industry participants, you know, and as people who care about the industry, care about the country, like that's the question. Should we as an industry, Knowing what we know about housing, knowing what we know about things like zoning and school funding, knowing what we know about NIMBYism, knowing what we know about mortgage finance, knowing what we know, do we have some sort of responsibility to put forth to the country, here's what we need to do, guys. Whether you like it or not, you know, because this is going to make you really uncomfortable if you are privileged and you live in the, you know, wonderful suburbs in a $1.4 million house and your public school is top rated and your kids aren't worried about safety or Wi-Fi access. It's, you don't want that to change, but is it kind of our responsibility to go to those people and say, listen, you have it good, but here are some real fundamental things we have to change if we want equality in this country. In a real way, I think that's the real purpose of all of this. Four of us aren't going to solve these problems. You know what I mean? We're, we're just not, right? I'm sorry, Greg. We're, we're not going to solve those problems. <laughs> You're muted, by the way, which is why we can't hear. <laughs> I feel like you sold me a bill of goods. Yeah, gosh. I know. I sorry, I guys. I mean, we're not going to solve yeah. this. But I think the four of us could start because this is such a long conversation. These are difficult conversations. They're tough conversations. But I do think it needs to be had, right? Like, could you imagine ABOR's board of directors having this conversation? Do we, as, as ABOR, have a responsibility to put forth to the people of Austin, to the city government, to the county, you know, to the state of Texas, these things? 
Well, I mean, I guess I can speak openly to an extent to say that I think we have been having some of that conversation. Austin is literally in the midst of a land use uh, code overhaul. We nice. have been for two years now. And it's, it, believe me when I tell you, these are the hardest conversations of my career because I both understand them from a public policy perspective, but also understand the value of the market. Right. And I understand when a realtor represents a neighborhood that doesn't want that to come their way. And so I, it, it's nuanced and it's muddy. And I think that when I talked about level setting the language, that wasn't flippant because if I can't get them all talking at least from the same page of the hymn book, <laughs> then we're definitely not going to move forward. So I, I do think that we are having these conversations. I'm going to tell you that I'm not sure that school finance is in our lane. I think zoning and land use patterns sure are. Mm -hmm. And I think there are other issues that are in our lane. And I do think that the, the conversations we have to have about those issues is going to make us uncomfortable. I'm not scared of that, but I know that it is what it is. We're going to have to get through it. Right on. Kenya, what do you think? Is, no, I do we have a responsibility? Of course we have a responsibility. You know, we, we service the community. We service the community as a whole. And I think that you're absolutely right. These are hard conversations. We aren't dealing with as many of those challenging items that you are right now in Emily in Houston, but we're starting to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And when we need to have them, we do. And sometimes they aren't comfortable. Um, a good example is we've just created a diversity and inclusion task force for the Houston Association of Realtors. And we've had some hard conversations about what's going on, but they were needed and it's gonna help us go to that next level, right? So I think it's our responsibility. All right, Craig, in the spirit of kind of wrapping up, what do you think? Do we have a responsibility? Absolutely, and I, I mean, I, I again, I love, I'll go back to what I said is like, and I think Emily said the same thing. In the past six to eight weeks, all the virtual conversations, online conferences and things that meetings that I've been about have been about these issues, mm -hmm. right? So it's some substantive stuff that we're talking about that is starting to happen. And it's because of, you know, Long Island, it's because of all the things that are happening in the protests in the streets and, and the, where the country is right now. If that's what it took to make this kind of spark to happen, I'm all for it. I look back and, and, and like just, you know, let's like unpack like, you know, 10 years or eight years ago with uh, LGBTQ, right? Where that just took a spark. And the next thing you know, it was the law of the land that, that anybody that was in love could get married, right? I mean, and then how fast did that happen, right? There's sometimes things can happen fast. I, I'm, I'm hoping for that kind of moment here. And it, past this country is so difficult that may not happen that fast. But I mean, I'm, I, I have hope. For sure, I hope. All right. This was, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, maybe the conversations we need to have were, are really difficult, but this one was a really easy conversation because you guys are amazing. Like I said, I, I think it was so great to have Emily and Kenya join us for this because Greg and you and I would have just, you know, like started, I don't know, doing monkey branch or I don't know, making monkey noises, talking <laughs> about uh, what's wrong with the country. It's come from the top. And I'm like, you <laughs> bastard, you had to go there. And, so I'm really, really glad that uh, that you guys were able to join us. I guess just you know to wrap up, my my only thoughts are, I do think we have an, uh, a responsibility because if you look at the realtor code, and I'm not a realtor, but I'm so in love with the realtor code of ethics and the realtor movement, what it stands for. A third of the code talks about responsibility to the public, duties to the public, and I think this falls into the duties to the public. And because we are the experts, we are the people who work with housing. You know, that I think it's not just the Emily's of the world. It's not just the CEOs. I do think every realtor 
actually has some sort of duty to be informed and to spread that education out to the community. Because ultimately, it's the community that has to decide, how do we deal with this? Right? Ultimately, it's the community that has to decide, what should our land use be? It's ultimately them. So I do think we have some of that. I think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit we can go after. Like I said, I don't understand how you still remain a realtor after you're caught on video treating black people and white people differently. But that's something for you know, the realtor world to figure out. But there are some real deep things, and, I, I, and maybe this is the start of it. And if it is, great. If it's not, you know, hey, it's not our lane. You know, we did what we could. With that, I do want to thank all of our listeners if they stuck with us through this very long conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let me also obviously thank Emily and Kenya. And Michelle, yeah, let, I want to say thank you. Greg, any, any last thoughts uh, as you take us out and... You know, wrap no, this I, up. I mean, the only thing I think is that we should have more guests more, more times, man, because this is. Yeah, our, this we're way, way better when we have smart guests, you know? Like, it's not just you and me messing around. <laughs> and we cuss a lot less. <laughs> right? Something, if, if that's okay to. to Absolutely. I want to go back to a point that Greg brought up a little bit earlier, but Rob kind of overtook this, the conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it was Greg mentioning that he wants to be a part of the solution, wants to find an organization or find a cause to get behind. And I want to share this with you, Greg and Emily and Rob. T360 is working on a foundation, a foundation to help the underserved community get into real estate. So we are working on something right now that's going to be pretty amazing to help um, underprivileged individuals enter real estate through mentorship, through financial means. And um, we are working on that right now. We should have something rolled out pretty soon. As soon as we have the details of the foundation together, I'd like to share that with you guys because it's going to be a great awesome. way for us to awesome. mentor the next generation. Awesome. That's awesome. awesome. Look right. forward to it. Thank you. So, Greg, what do we have to do? What do they have to do, the listeners? What they have to do is, um, and again, we'll thank them for keeping up, uh, keeping up with us here for so long. And uh, if they can, please go to your, wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a good rating and, and mention our two fine guests here and, and give them a good rating or <laughs> at least a shout out at least. Um, but uh, thanks again, guys. I, we, we really sincerely do appreciate the time spent. This has been a long, I think it's our longest podcast ever, but yep. thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, you all so, so much. This was great. It's been great.